Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. So we have a, uh, a panel uh, discussion here uh, for Dr. Sifke and, and the, the rest of the panel. Uh, are there any questions after that? By the way, there are some seats up here if you would like. Yes, please. Yes, good afternoon. I'm David from Berlin. I have a quick question regarding um, plasma analysis of uh, andaxanate alpha, whether this quantified measurements are to use or that PUC uh, rapid test, which is reli- more reliable um, actually whether the rapid test either from <coughs> urine or from plasma is reliable. So um, I think you can answer this question. Um, so I think there are different ways you can measure DOACs. I think what is, if you have a point of care um, machine uh, in, your, in your department to measure the INR, you can actually use it also to get at least an, an idea about the anticoagulation status because the INR on this machine also, but it depends a bit on the age and on if you have a pixaban, rivaroxaban or whatever. So you have to go a bit into literature because this is not straightforward. Um, the central lab results for, uh, for activity, um, they can be automated, so they can run, can be run quick in the in, in hospital. I know a, a, bun, a number of hospitals where they, they are available as an hour hospital within 30, to, to 30 minutes to one hour. There are these urine sticks um, which are available. Um, they are just, they, but they don't give you an exact value. They just have a cutoff. So they, they tell you whether the patient has below or beyond, um, uh, beneath a, a, a certain threshold. So you don't get exact levels with it. And I personally also think that getting uh, urine in a patient with acute ICH um, is something a bit complicated because they, usually they can't give you urine, so you have to give, place a catheter which actually prolongs the time. And um, I think specifically if you have the available, availability of measurements, then you should do this, at least to have an idea where you are. But if it takes too long to get the results, you should probably not wait for the results because then, as for any patient, medic, uh, patient history is very important, so you have to get... Uh, the, the information when was the patient taking last time uh, the, the drug and, uh, uh, and to, then you can get actually an, at least an idea where on the plasma curve they, they are, on the pharmacokinetic curve they are, uh, to, to decide whether you should treat them or not because if you wait too long then you lose the effect of, of being quick and effective. That's my personal hey, opinion. Hey, talk about that at, uh, at excellent, you want to talk about that, that at UC because I think Traditionally, we're talking about a 24-hour turnaround on anti-factor 10A levels. I mean, it may be quicker than that. So it's interesting that there may be some evolution there. But to your point, David, it ends up being, if it's a time-constraint disease, which almost any disease that matters, the quicker you treat it, the better the patient does. Yeah. Uh, Natalie, what are your thoughts about that? Is that, have you, you know, is that something that you see used either there or at other centers? Um, we do have anti-factor 10A testing. It does take um, some time to come back uh, now where we are. So um, we don't currently wait um, on that lab to come back to decide whether to provide reversal or not. Um, it is based more on the history, um, which can be challenging. These are patients who generally cannot tell you um, when they last took their medication and if they're compliant with it. But 
if family is there, or, you know, they're coming from a um, nursing facility or something where um, you have good evidence to suggest that they are compliant with their medication, then um, those would be patients that we would empirically um, provide reversal for um, without a lab test um, with the thought that, as David mentioned, um, you know, not wanting to um, take up a lot of extra time. Um, typically, hematoma expansion happens within those first few hours if it is going to going to occur. So, um, doing it early is is going to be likely more effective. Did you have a follow up question? Oh, okay, good. Um, He's got I, a question. Yes, please. Uh, uh, so, just a question with regards to the thromboembolic complications. Is there a, a feeling or an understanding on the severity and outcomes following those complications, just to balance it with the obviously the hematoma expansion side of things? Um, in the Anexa four study, they did report that overall um, finding. I believe it was ten ten percent of thromboembolic complications. Um, those were um, adjudicated by a separate panel. Um, and so it could encompass anything. It could be DVT, PE, stroke, ventricular tachycardia, um, almost anything um, could be adjudicated as that. The one thing that did um, seem to reduce that number um, down to, I believe it was about 3 to 4% was providing some type of DVT prophylaxis within that first 30 days. Um, and then the patients who were able to be restarted on their oral anticoagulant had zero thromboembolic complications. Um, within that 30-day period. That being said, with the caveat that, as you might imagine, those patients who are able to safely be restarted on oral anticoagulation are probably going to be a very different type of patient um, than a lot of the ICH types of patients we're speaking about. So, Great. Thank you. Did you have a question? Uh, thank you. I'm Daniela Poli from Florence. Uh, I'm doing a job that is different from the, this of uh, all the people, all the main number of people present in this, uh, in this uh, room, uh, because I work in a, um, a thrombosis center. So uh, I would like to outline this, this problem, the, uh, the determination of uh, um, DOAC concentration on, on, on the blood is technically easy. Uh, it, it, uh, it could be done on uh, the same coagulometer that do PTINR. So the problem is to um, uh, ask laboratory to do this uh, and to implement uh, these uh, diagnostics is easy. Uh, uh, turnaround time is the same when it's, it is organized than uh, uh, that to have uh, a PT-INR. So I think this is a, a, a place where I, I need to... Um, <laughs> Um, uh, to, to, to say this because it depends in, in great part uh, for, by the clinician that should ask a laboratory to do it because the problem sometimes is the laboratory said nobody asked me so I don't make the, the, the test and so on no? uh, we have to uh, enhance this uh, uh, opportunity to Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Uh, congratulations for the beautiful presentation. And I want to come back to the cases you reported. Uh, these were typical cases. And you also have uh, sometimes uh, cases in smaller hospitals where you don't have available the calibrated factor 10A chromogenic assays. And for these hospitals, uh, 
there are other tests maybe available and one of <coughs> the tests is uh, the determination of the dogs in urine samples uh, and uh, a small study from Australia uh, just published in Stroke uh, showed that this urine test with DoorSense uh, takes only 20 minutes compared to the uh, chromogenic substrate assay in, for determination of the presence of or the absence of the dog. And for clinical decision, uh, the negative result in patients is important for uh, medical treatment. So uh, this, uh, therefore, it, in future, might be that uh, there are also alternative tests specifically demonstrating that the negative result, the absence of DOACs, then enables specific treatment for stroke patients or for patients with intracranial hemorrhage. Thank I, you very much. Go ahead. I think I agree. That's a very good point. That uh, um, when we, I, I displayed these numbers for, for, for levels to illustrate the actual um, uh, anticoagulation status of these patients. But I think we are all stroke physicians and we, we, are, we are trained to, to treat ischemic stroke as quick as possible. So we have these uh, door-to-needle times that we would like to reach as benchmarks. We'd like to go to 30 minutes door-to-needle time for ischemic stroke. And I think uh, what we have learned so far from ICA treatment is that we also need to be very fast, very quick and to to strike quick, and then I think um, we should probably also have some, that's my personal opinion, but have some benchmark uh, numbers for, for ICH treatment. Why can't we do uh, reverse, a dot reversal time, 30 minutes or 60 minutes? Um, and then to have some Did, did some Adrian test. ask you to say that leading into his presentation? <laughs> <Is> that, uh, <laughs> no, no, but I think <laughs> to, to end this up, we have to consider whether these kind of tests give us really information that that uh, is, um, it is valuable to delay the treatment for 20, 30, or 40 minutes in the settings. Because in ICA, in, in ischemic stroke, we try to get rid of all tests before giving thrombolysis that we don't really need. And um, if we can skip a test, that's always a good idea to give yeah. faster treatment. Yeah, and I think if you, if you could have a point of care test that's easy to do, and I think getting, as you've already said, getting urine is difficult, and I suppose it gives you an average reading for the time in which that urine's been accumulating in the bladder, doesn't it, as well? Um, so, but if you had a test where, you know, you could, it, the, the positive negative was calibrated at the point where it would allow you to decide whether or not to reverse, then that would be fantastic, but I, I guess we're not there yet. Excellent. Yeah, yes. I'm Bernard Zim from, from Switzerland. Maybe to continue um, on the testing regarding the dosage of um, Andexanet um, Alpha, because in the Anexa 4 study, there were low dose and a high dose, and maybe this is also re relevant, what kind of testing you use, um, and what would your way to, to, to choose for a lower or a higher dose in these patients regarding on the test you have available? Well, the, the, the you know, the, the The product label is that it, you um, use the higher dose if you're taking a higher dose of rivaroxaban or apixaban and you're within eight hours of the last dose, um, and also if it's unknown, I think. Um, so that, that's the current product label, but beyond that, it's, it's a good point. So if you don't know when they last took it, could be anything, couldn't it? Um, but, but maybe erring on the side of caution so you avoid catastrophic expansions might be the way to go in the meantime. Excellent. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, EMCREG International, and Total CME Incorporated. 
To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.